0: Welcome to Scooby Shack Radio, Episode 74, recorded Monday, December 20th, 2021. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Well, hello again, everyone, and happy holidays. We're just a few short days away from Christmas Day, and then we'll be turning over the calendar to 2022. This year, Christmas will be a lot different than the last several years for us. With my mom now up here in Connecticut, my brother from Pennsylvania and my sister and brother-in-law from Panama City will be spending Christmas here in Connecticut. Then, my mom will head down to Florida with my sister for the winter. Now, that's pretty nice. We, however, need to remain here and start our year-end inventory. Oh, what fun. Well, it's hard to believe that this is my last podcast of 2021, and this will wrap up Season 3 of Scuba Shack Radio. I started this podcast way back in March of 2019, way before we had the coronavirus pandemic, lockdowns, travel restrictions, mask mandates, and everything else COVID. It has been personally very rewarding. You learn a lot when you do something like this, and I'm always up for learning. On today's show, I'm going to be doing another segment of Your Next Dive, where I'll take you to a dive site that I did back in October, the Blue Heron Bridge in Riviera Beach, Florida. An absolutely amazing dive. But first up will be Wet Notes, my news and information segment here on Scuba Shack Radio. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, December 20th, 2021. First up today, I want to tell you about a little surprise that I got in the mail from Divers Alert Network. Last time on Wet Notes, I told you about getting the latest edition of Alert Diver. Well, Dan gave us a little holiday present and sent out a special edition of Alert Diver. They call it the Essential Dive Safety Collection. As Bill Zeifel writes, this is a collection of the most relevant and informative dive safety articles that Dan has published since the 2009 redesign of the Alert Diver magazine. The articles cover medical services, membership and insurance, safety services, and research. This is a fantastic reference, a keeper. Great job, Dan, for giving us this year-end gift. Now, I came across an article a few days ago from the Anchorage Daily News. The article reported that over 1 million pounds of old fishing net and line were removed from Dutch Harbor in Alaska, and that that line was sent to recycling centers where the debris is turned into pellets and fibers. Alaska has a four-year contract with a company out of Seattle called Net Your Problem. Net Your Problem has a collection facility, and then it looks like they transport it primarily to Europe. I'm guessing that's where it gets recycled. The cleanup effort is also in conjunction with two other organizations, the Copper River Watershed Project and the Haines Friends of Recycling. So good news is that one million pounds have been removed. I'm still not sure of the long-term impacts, if that is being turned into pellets and fibers, that make their way back into the ocean. I guess there's just no easy solutions right now. In the last few years, we've seen an explosion of full-face snorkel masks, or FFSMs. I remember seeing the first one from Ocean Reef. I think it was the Aria, and was intrigued. Well, since that first mask came out, we've seen so many different versions from reputable manufacturers and some questionable sources. Additionally, there was a lot of negative press and even some bans on using these masks because of some unfortunate deaths while using the FFSM's. So Divers Alert Network funded a project with the Duke Center for Hyperbaric Medicine to study these masks to see if they were dangerous. On December 16th, 2021, Dr. Rachel Lance from Duke and Dr. Frankie Tillmans from Dan did a live YouTube broadcast presenting their results. Well, there is no definitive answer about the FFSM's being more dangerous, but the discussion indicates that there could be some problems, especially when water gets inside, and also some problems if you can't really trace the manufacturer. You can check out the video. It's it's about an hour long, and it's on the Divers Alert Network YouTube channel. The December edition of Scuba Diving Magazine is now available. Every December, the magazine features its gear guide. It's always interesting to see what they are testing and what they are ranking across the broad spectrum of dive gear. It seems to me that this list, uh, the list this year was a little bit smaller than in past. For example, there were only two fins listed, an open heel from Tusa and a full-fit fin from Cressy. The gear guide covered wetsuits, BCs, dry suits, computers, and bags. I'm glad to see that the Shearwater Peregrine made a list. Let's hope they get, they're available soon. Also, from the gear bag selection, the Akona Tanami Sling Dry Backpack was featured. That's something that we carry. Again, for some reason, it just didn't seem to me that there was that much gear in this, uh, this year's edition. That being said, the magazine is still full of a lot of great articles. There's even an article on ice diving specialty, something that we at Scuba Shack are doing this February. So check out the December issue of the Scuba Diver magazine. There is a new report out there from the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine, and that is calling for research into how the oceans might be able to take carbon dioxide out of the air. The report is titled, A Research Strategy for Ocean-Based Carbon Dioxide Removal and Sequestration. Lowering carbon emissions may not be the best way to lower CO2 in the atmosphere. We've got to take it out, and the ocean may be the solution. There are six possible approaches, including nutrient fertilization to increase photoplankton photosynthesis, seaweed cultivation, ecosystem recoveries, ocean alkalinity enhancement, and electrochemical processes. This study called for the US government to set aside one uh, hundred twenty five million for research. Maybe this will get funded and build back better. We certainly need to investigate all options to battle climate change. And finally, did you see the story of the giant mola mola that came up to a couple of paddleboarders out in Laguna Beach, California? They think the sunfish was between 9 to 10 feet long. Two paddleboarders, Rich German and Matt Wheaton, were out on the water when the mola mola came up between them and just kind of hung out with them. The video is pretty cool. Rich says in the video that it might be the biggest sunfish he's ever seen. Well, I'm still waiting for my first encounter. These fish are very cool. What a great experience. The video is on both Facebook and Instagram. Well, that wraps up Wet Notes for Monday, December 20th, 2021, here on Scuba Shack Radio. Today, on your next dive, I'm going to take you on a dive that I just completed a couple of months ago down in Florida, and that was to the Blue Heron Bridge in Riviera Beach. Now, we were doing some diving down in Pompano Beach with South Florida Diving Headquarters, and I talked about that diving in Episode 71. We specifically targeted Pompano because it was an easy ride up I-95 to Riviera Beach. From where we were staying, it took us about 45 to 50 minutes to get there, but you just never know where you will hit traffic or construction. If you are flying into Fort Lauderdale Airport, you should probably give yourself about an hour and a half to get to Riviera. Heading north on I-95, you're going to want to get off at exit 76 onto route 708, which is West Blue Heron Boulevard, and that will take you to the Blue Heron Bridge, where you'll get off at Phil, Phil Foster Park. Now, before we talk about the park, if you don't have your own tanks, weights, dive flag, or perhaps, you, or perhaps you do have tanks and you need to get them filled, your best bet is to stop at 4C Scuba Center. 4C is literally right before you get to the bridge, and it's a great dive shop. Not only are they set up to handle the same-day rentals of tanks, weights, and a dive flag, yes, you're going to need one, they also have an extensive inventory of dive equipment for sale in their shop. The staff was really good, efficient, and very customer service oriented. I wouldn't even think of going someplace else in the area. Now, after picking up your stuff at 4C, you're just minutes away from Phil Foster Park, which is actually on a small little island right under the Blue Heron Bridge. You will exit to the left and pull into the parking lot. Now, there's a lot of parking, but you may have to drop your, your gear bags off and then park a bit away from, uh, from there, depending on the time of day that you get there. But it's no big deal. And then the other nice thing about the park is that it has bathrooms, and also outdoor freshwater showers to rinse the sand and salt off your gear. There's a specific way to dive Blue Heron Bridge, and that is at high slack tide. So you will want to get a tide chart ahead of time and plan your trip accordingly. 4C has the tide charts available at the shop, or you can check it out on their website well ahead of time. They have a downloadable PDF that gives you all the high tide times And they just released the 2022 tide chart. When we planned the trip uh, way back in July, we picked a day uh, when high tide was at about 1.45 p.m. So we had time to head to Riviera from Pompano, get our tanks and weights from 4C before getting to the park. And we still had plenty of time to set up and plan our dive. The best way to dive Blue Heron Bridge, according to 4C, and I would have to agree, is to start your dive about 30 to 45 minutes before uh, high slack tide. Now, if it's your first time, they suggest that you start at the lifeguard stand and then head out and around so you can go under the bridge and then circle back around. Now, be careful. There are two lifeguard stands. We started at the second one, which was a little further out. And we had to swim over a bit of sand. I guess that's a rookie Blue Heron uh, Bridge mistake. When I go back, I'll be sure to start at the lifeguard stand closest to the end of the park. Even with this long swim over the sand, we still had an outstanding dive. There is so much to see, and I think I saw more juvenile fish on this dive than I had ever seen. There were several juvenile French angelfish, along with several juvenile filefish. You'll find a lot of sergeant majors out there protecting their eggs. Just keep looking out, and things seem to materialize. Then, when you get under the bridge, it feels like a night dive. You'll spot crabs, small shrimp, and lobsters out and about. It was really cool cool to go from the sunlight to the dark of the bridge. When we got to the other side of the bridge, we were greeted by a southern ray. It seemed like everywhere we swam, There was something to see. The visibility at the Blue Heron Bridge the day we were there was probably 50 to 70 feet, sometimes maybe a little less. Our average depth once we got past that sand was between 15 to 20 feet. The water temperature for an October day was 82 degrees Fahrenheit, and we were very comfortable in our three millimeter wetsuits, and we had a dive time of 99 minutes. You really can't do just one dive at the Blue Heron Bridge. It just begs you to do more. You can concentrate in one place or cover a whole large area. My guess is with each dive you'll see something new. Many people say the night dive at the bridge is unbelievable. You can look at the 4C Tide chart and you'll see that they offer free night dives on specific nights when there is a high tide. Now that's pretty cool. So you could time your trip to coincide with one of their dates. One of the things that Donna and I talked about was getting to the park early, maybe two or three hours ahead of time, and maybe have lunch or a late breakfast, depending on when the uh, high tide is, and uh, then leisurely set up your gear and make a day of it. You just don't want to rush your dive at the Blue Heron Bridge. our dive at Blue Heron Bridge was outstanding, so much so that we are thinking about going back to Florida just to dive at the bridge. For us here in Connecticut, we can take a direct flight to West Palm Beach, which is just down the coast from Riviera, and maybe get three or four days to really explore the Blue Heron Bridge and perhaps even get a night dive in. So if you've never had the opportunity to dive at the Blue Heron Bridge, you really need to get this on your bucket list. Well, I hope you enjoyed this latest segment of Your Next Dive here on Scuba Shack Radio. I really want to get back to the Blue Heron Bridge. Just tough to fit it into the schedule for 2022 right now. Seems like we have something planned every week starting in early January. And speaking of 2022, I'll be back again in a couple of weeks as I kick off Season 4 of Scuba Shack Radio. That's a wrap for 2021. Once again, happy holidays, everyone. Take care and stay safe, and thanks for listening.